inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core here on American Family Radio Network. Glad to have you with us today on the program. AFA at the Core. I'm Walker Wildman. I'm your host for the show each day on American Family Radio. There is a caveat there. My good friend Rick Green does host the show on Tuesdays and Thursdays as well. Uh, Rick Green's out of Texas. He founded Patriot Academy and uh, does a lot of good work over there at the Torture Freedom Foundation. So Rick is typically our host on Tuesdays and Thursdays here on AFA at the Core, and I'm with you Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, uh, with the exception of a few a few times when uh, Rick can't host or I can, and we uh, kind of rotate back and forth. Um, glad to have you with us today on the program. If you want to watch the show, we do have the live stream up and running on our streaming platform, streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net is where you can go watch the core live. We also uh, post the video on Facebook. If you go to AFA at the Core's Facebook page, you can watch the video there as well. Well, I do want to jump straight into Scripture before we get into some of the news stories for today. We are in Psalm chapter 38 for today. Psalm chapter 38, just reading a couple verses in. David says, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. This is verse number one. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. What I want to point out here, and David has done this before. David has written this before. David has spoken this before, where you have to read into this a little more than just surface level. David is not asking, is not petitioning God to withhold rebuke or withhold discipline, David says, rebuke me not in your anger. There's a difference there. David says, rebuke me not in your anger. He doesn't say, don't rebuke me or withhold rebuke. He says, don't rebuke me in your anger nor discipline me in your wrath. So David is clearly open to and accepting of God's rebuke and of the Lord's discipline He just is petitioning the Lord to not do so with anger and with wrath. So we, too, need to be open to the Lord's rebuke, to the Lord's discipline. Uh, The discipline of the Lord is a sign that you are a child of God. The Lord disciplines. Scripture says that the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. And so the Lord's discipline, the Lord's rebuke, is a good thing. It is a good thing and is a part of God's created order. Same thing goes with our children. Scripture talks about how, you know, if you withhold discipline, if you withhold instruction from your children, where you you don't love them. And that's an accurate statement. So just as as a father, as a mother disciplining their children is a sign of love, a sign of grace, so is the Lord's discipline for his children. 
Uh, moving into our, our uh, <clears throat> topics for today, we are going to have my brother Wesley. He'll be in studio with us second segment, as he is each Wednesday uh, on on the core here. We also will uh, take calls in the last segment of the show, so we'll give out the number uh, in a little bit. We'll give out the number for you to call in to the program. Well, I want to turn our attention to some of the stories of the week that, that we have going on. Um, this uh, energy, this energy, I have. To, I, I want to be careful here of the language I use. I would call it the energy crisis, but I think it's fair to just call this the war on energy. Because it's only a crisis when we make it a crisis, and it's a crisis because our political and policy leaders are making terrible decisions that aren't in the best interest of our of our country. And so we have not only do we have a domestic energy issue, a domestic war on American energy headed up by the Biden administration. And remember, this is all self inflicted. All right, so so the, the, we can't blame climate change. We can't blame global warming. We can't blame fossil fuels. We can't blame uh, gas guzzling cars. We are in this predicament of energy shortages because of the Biden administration. And because we have a bunch of political hacks that have bought into the Green New Deal, solar panel, windmill agenda... And they are they are attacking any fossil fuel production and usage. And so if you drive a car or if you use something that uses gasoline or diesel, well, you're bad. You're evil. You don't like our planet. That's the narrative. That's the agenda. That's the standard, if you will, that the Democrats and the media are using now in this war on American energy. And, and as I've said before, this is all built on a faulty foundation. This is all built on really no foundation at all. Everybody, the, the, the media and the Democrats, they all talk as if there's this existential threat to the human race. <laughs> there's this existential threat to our planet, and the threat is coming from fossil fuels. And our, our, our ozone layer is being deteriorated. Um, uh, the, the wildfires are worsened. The hurricanes are more intense. Floods are happening more frequently. The uh, high temperatures are getting worse. And this is all because you and I, we drive gasoline or diesel burning vehicles to work. That's what they want us to believe. And, of course, we all know that's not true. We've talked about how there's really little science that backs this up. But it's really all a power play. It's really all a power play. And that's really... There's power and money behind this, and those two things can go hand in hand. But this is all a power play, because if you control energy, you control everything. Think about it. Think about every every aspect of life where you use energy. And, and I'm not just talking about fossil fuels or, you know, lithium-ion batteries. I'm talking about you and me. We have our bodies have to be fueled. How do we fuel our bodies? With nutrients, with food, with liquids. That's how we fuel our bodies. Well, how do we get the food on our table? Well, we have trucks and airplanes that fly food around the country and drive food around the country. All right, so energy is everywhere. <laughs> if you're watching the show, well, how are you watching the show? You're using, you're consuming energy to watch AFA at the core or listen to AFA at the core. All right, so energy is everywhere. We can't avoid energy. So th- this is a very crafty ploy 
to to take control of the entire energy sector uh, via government mandates. And that's what's going on now. Over in uh, California, then we'll talk about Europe. Uh, California and Texas has had similar problems. California uh, yesterday, yesterday evening, went to a level three, which is the highest level emergency for their energy sector, for their power grid. Well, they have they do have extremely high temperatures there, but that's just one problem or one part of the problem. The other part is that they've moved roughly, well, I don't know the exact percentage. I know as of yesterday, about 10 to 11% of their energy production is coming from solar panels and windmills. But as far as how much of their grid is actually made up of that, I don't know. Um, but they've moved towards these the solar and the wind pretty heavily. They move very aggressively into this. And so when you do that and then you start retiring your coal plants and your your other fossil fuel producing power plants or, or fossil fuel consuming power plants, then you don't have that power source available when you need it. And that's what California is dealing with now. It's one thing to say we need, we're going to add some more solar panels to our portfolio, but when you do that and then simultaneously you ditch fossil fuels, that's a bad place to be. That's a very bad place to be, and that's where California is, and that's why they're having rolling blackouts now. They'll tell you, oh, we're not having rolling blackouts. Their, their uh, energy uh, department said yesterday, oh, no, we're not having uh, energy. We're not having blackouts. But you look on uh, power outage monitor, and they've got counties with like 80,000 residents without power, and there's no storms going through. So they can say we're not having rolling blackouts, but the data actually proves that they are having rolling blackouts that are self-inflicted. You go over to Europe, and uh, Europe, they've got they've got a they got, they got a predicament over there. President Trump warned about this years ago, a couple years ago, several years ago, when he went and spoke as president. He went and spoke to uh, it was either NATO or it was G seven, one of these summits uh, over in Europe. It was actually, I believe, at the UN. But he was speaking uh, at the UN assembly about Europe's energy problem. And how Europe and and many of these European nations are also NATO members, and they're supposed to be against Russia, right? I mean, all these NATO members are supposed to be anti-Putin, aren't they? Isn't that why NATO exists? Anti-Soviet Union? But all these NATO member countries are buying their energy from Russia. And so President Trump, and folks, this is not like rocket science. This is not, you need like, uh, you know, some kind of, fancy degree that Biden's going to pay off (laughs) to figure this stuff out. So President Trump looked at where Europe is buying its energy from, and he said, wait, these people are supposed to be against Putin. They're supposed to be kind of a a, a hedge against Putin, but they're buying all of their oil and gas from Putin, and they need their oil and gas for their countries to operate. And so he went to the UN and said, look, guys, I'm paraphrasing. You guys need to stop buying all your energy from Putin. You need to start buying your energy, I don't know, from maybe America or other nations. Um, so, But they mocked him for that. The media and actually the German uh, delegation there, there's a video of them actually laughing and scoffing at President Trump for saying such. Well, here we are now, several years later, and uh, Europe is surely but slowly running out of natural gas supplies. They're running out of fossil fuel supplies. Why? Because... 
Russia is throttling the supply. You got the Nord Stream 1, and then you got the Nord Stream 2, which Nord Stream 2 is not even online. President Trump tried to finish it, but then Biden blocked it again. Why on earth? How on earth Biden has control over a pipeline in Europe? Can someone explain that to me legally? How the president of the United States can nix a pipeline in Europe that connects um, Germany and some of these other countries with Russia? I don't know. Maybe we'll have somebody on to talk about that. But um, President Biden somehow with his power and his authority put a, put a halt on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Um, and uh, and so that that so you got Nord Stream 1, but that thing's offline. So that provides all this energy to Europe. And so, of course, Russia is using this as a threat, using this as a weapon uh, against many of these NATO members. But they, th- this, this, this energy is becoming a very big topic where, uh, where the, the Democrats and the left and the globalists are using energy as a weapon. They're using energy as a weapon. And, and what's going to happen when you, when you run out of energy or when you have energy rationing, energy shortages, well, it creates civil unrest. It creates economic instability. And what do people do? What, what is our nature? What is our natural response when there's civil unrest, when there's economic instability? What do we do? We go, where is the government? We look around and we go, where is the government? Now is when the government shows up and the government bells us out and the government feeds us. That's human nature. That's what we do. And so this is all working in the plan of the globalists, all working in the plan of the Democrats to uh, expand government control, expand government mandate, expand government regulation. And I actually, thinking back on it, I think I've got my facts wrong on this Nord Stream 2 deal. I think Trump actually halted Nord Stream 2 uh, because it was going to help Russia. The Nord Stream 2 pipeline is actually going to help Russia boost their, their, their revenue um, Biden actually cut it back on, I think. But I, I'll research that during the break. We'll make sure we get that right. Nonetheless, AFA at the core, glad to have you with us today. This energy, energy, the war on energy is a big deal. It affects us all. And uh, it actually is an attack on our quality of life and an attack on the human race. Because if you start ditching fossil fuels, my friends, and we'll have clips on this after the break, you will hurt people. People will starve. People will go hungry. Quality of life will go down if we continue to ditch fossil fuels. AFA at the core will be back in just a few minutes. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. My name is Abraham Hamilton III and this is the Hamilton Minute. The 128th Psalm explains that it is the individual who's been transformed by the power of God who then builds the transformed family. Transformed families build transformed churches. Transformed churches build transformed communities. And transformed communities impact the broader society. The way forward in America is repentance and living locally. Focus intensely on your families, your local church, and your local community. What goes on in your house is far more important than what happens in the White House. Great Commission execution must begin in Jerusalem. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. If you're a praying family, you probably hear this often to begin your girls' prayers. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for... This is a beautiful, simple heart of gratitude. It is good to teach children to approach God in gratitude before asking a list of needs. While this model of prayer suffices the early faith stage, how do her prayers grow into maturity? We can take the model of countless prayers in Scripture as a guide, many beginning in gratitude for the character of God Himself. As you guide your girl to worship God for who He is, mighty, just, loving, faithful, and wise, this will put her into a right heart posture as she expresses her needs to a good, good Father. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. You can learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. We are not allowed to have a U-Haul that comes to heaven with us. Anna Marie Travers has an AFA Foundation charitable gift annuity. The Lord has given us uh, things that we can uh, acquire, uh, but you know, everything will stay here. And I'm so thankful for for the American Family uh, Annuity Fund, where we can give some to something that we so highly value. Through the AFA Foundation, a charitable gift annuity provides a monthly income as well as a legacy of support for the American Family Association. I cannot uh, recommend a a better person than uh, they have at AFA to help you with getting your annuity fund. It was so easy. Call the AFA Foundation today to find out how you can set up a charitable gift annuity. Just call 800-326-4543, extension 345. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core here on American Family Radio. Hey, if you do want to watch the show, you can do so by going to streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net. That's our URL on our streaming platform. You can uh, log in if you have an account. It takes you about a minute to log in. If you don't have an account, that's all right. You can create a free account. It takes you just a couple minutes. You need a username and password. Go ahead and create an account for free on our streaming platform. And then you can watch AFA at the Core uh, right there on, live on the video platform. And, of course, you can go back and watch uh, recent shows as well. Wesley Wildman's in studio with me, my brother. Hey. Wesley. Glad to be on in the I, studio I, I with do, you. I do claim you. Yep. Yep. Uh, you are my brother. Well, there's a reason that it was your idea to have me on. So I just want to let yeah. everyone know that I do apparently bring some value sure. to, to the so show. So something caused me something. to have you on the show. I don't yes. know what it was. But we'll, we'll talk about that later. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, you know, this hey. is how we, we start episodes like this, you know, once every couple of weeks. But we need to get back to while we're here on the show. You we'll want to focus? With, yeah, we'll deal with mine and okay. your disagreements and frustrations We'll figure later. that out later? Yes. All right, so we got a job to do? Yes, for, all right, for, the, do for the audience. <laughs> hey, Wesley, you do have a topic that we're going to talk about in a few minutes sure. that you brought on the show. Very interesting topic. We teased on it a little bit last week. But I want to I want to play a clip and have us discuss this about this uh, war on energy. So we have the um, – um, I mentioned the EU and their, their power rationing. But I, I heard this clip from CNBC. This is a fellow by the name of Kyle Bass, B-A-S-S. He's an environmentalist and a self-proclaimed environmentalist. 
Um, and he's also CEO of a, of a corporation. But he, he's Wesley. He's on CNBC, and this guy's all about the Green New Deal. He's all about solar and wind and ditching fossil fuels. But even he admitted on CNBC that we're going way too fast. Clip three. Let's listen. That you're uh, disturbed isn't the right word, but you've got your eye on on what could be a complete. What kind of storm could it be if I can't say that word? A complete excrement storm over in in Europe in terms of energy. And yeah. they, they, dug, they dug their own, the situation they're in, I'll mix some metaphors, but, I mean, they brought this on themselves. They did, over a long period of time. You know, the, the, the desire for the world to engage in alternative energy is one that I think we all uh, would love to see happen. But uh, there are certain scientific realities and there are certain um, narratives that get pushed by NGOs and, and teenagers. And I think we've been taking Greta. policy cues. Greta from uh, NGOs and teenagers for a long time. And I think it's important that, look, I launched a a, um, conservation-based private equity firm last year. I care very much about our planet, so don't get me wrong. Just because I'm from Texas doesn't mean that, you know, I love oil and gas. But there's this, uh, there's a duality. You have to have uh, more oil and gas for a longer period of time than everyone believes for us to get into a proper transition policy. And even Jamie Dimey said it the other day, and you need to be able to get it through your thick skull that your that demand for hydrocarbons is inelastic. It will keep growing. And uh, demand for alternative energy will keep growing. It's the absolute earliest you could see where a major amount of our energy doesn't come from hydrocarbons. What, what do we get renewables now, 3%? Yeah, it's... Um, We've been all in, and it's, it's still low single digits. But low single it, digits. It, these transitions take 40 years, Joe. The move from coal to natural gas took 40 years. These ta- they take a very, very, very long time. So and that's past we can't 2050, just, then. Yeah, we can't just flip a switch. So I, I, you know, we believe that you won't see any kind of um, decline in organic or, or inelastic hydrocarbon demand uh, south of 2037, 2040. So, are and, we, and that's if we really adopt these things at, at record. So, so Wesley, this this gentleman who's all in on the environmentalist movement, even though that that term's kind of very elastic as well. Uh, what is environmentalism? Um, but nonetheless, he's he's in on on the solar and the wind sure. and the green new deal. But he says we're going way too fast. This stuff takes forty years. No wonder uh, we're having problems because we're trying to do this too fast. Right. You know, and you got different reasons why, you know, people want to engage in this type of uh, advancement. You know, some, you know, genuinely want to find a cheaper, better, faster way to do things. And that's a good, you know, that's obviously a great idea. You got some that just want to have more control over your stuff and the things that you have. And then some people uh, are just, uh, uh, you know, have a different uh, way of approaching things. But this gentleman seems to be like, you know, look, I, you know, I, I want to do it a faster, cheaper way than y'all, than we're doing. And I agree with y'all, but there's also a process that, that you have to, to, to put in place in order to get there. Yeah. And he seems very reasonable about it. Now we would disagree with his worldview on the environment, whether fossil fuels are really a problem. or not. Right, right, right. We would disagree with what's a problem and what's not, yeah. but his way of accomplishing his task is, uh, seems to be the best approach to not, uh, Harm, yes, or, or to dismiss or to um, cause more damage to the to our current um, way of living, yes, as best as possible while all trying to do that. So, you know, and he would be someone you'd like to have a debate and have a discussion over. But also, he's considering the the, the millions of 
uh, families. He's considering the millions of uh, jobs that are out there. He's considering all these factors all while trying to accomplish things, whereas the far left, the the more progressive side of the Democratic Party, they don't care about your ordinary person. They don't care about their their uh, day-to-day workers or day-to-day families. They don't care about those things. And they've um, even the Biden administration has even said we, we we have to be willing to suffer so that we can achieve this outcome, whatever sure. this outcome is. I mean, it was just a couple months ago he was pushing uh, uh, for everybody to get electronic cars when he didn't even understand the price of an electronic car and the much, fact that you can't. It takes six to twelve months to get one in inventory. That's right. <laughs> and and we've you know every it's about every week I'm seeing someone stop at a gas station trying to plug their car up because. It ran out of battery. Battery, and the, the time that it calls costs to charge up one of those, the time that it costs to charge up, as opposed to pulling up to pump and putting gas in your car, right. is not accounted for on a long trip, on a long travel trip. Yeah, right now the 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 EVs or the electric vehicles are are seem useful for like inner city. Sure, you know, I'm driving ten minutes across right. town, staying within a r- range. But yeah, taking these and things. I can charge it back home overnight. Yeah, taking these things across the country on a road trip. No, that's, <laughs> that's and, less than ideal. And so, and so for the small scenarios in which these things are are, are effective and, and work well, I mean, you could, these. I mean, come on. When you're talking about uh, uh, interstate traveling, and you're talking about uh, uh, carrying products and inventory from one company to another, oh, yeah, eighteen sure. wheelers. Like this is just it's not, not going to work. Not from from, from, from not a societal now. standpoint. Well, also Wesley, um, and then we'll jump to the next topic. But but lastly, you have the uh, the, the electric vehicles have to charge somehow, mm-hmm. and 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 if our grids, if we can't run our home air conditioners right. on our grid because it's we're demanding too much, like sure. over in California, then how on earth are we going to plug? You know, seventy million electric vehicles into the grid every night. Yeah, that's why I'm saying I think you got. I think you do have a small section of 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 people in the Democratic Party, like this gentleman, who genuinely want to find a different, better way, even though we disagree. But yeah. the overwhelming majority in the push is coming from your AOCs and those that want to get closer towards socialism, tr- closer toward governmental control over your your travel routes and things like mm. that. And I know that a lot of us, we have our daily jobs and our activities. And for me to say something like that seems uh, 50 years from now, yeah. uh, if, if if it ever happens. And, and I hope it doesn't, but I'm just telling you, as part of their playbook. The writing is on the wall. The, as part of their playbook, with with the shutdown and lockdowns of COVID and, uh, and the overreach that we saw there, especially toward the, those in the religious community, Christians, churches, um, uh, this is... It's not far at all. This is certainly part of their conversations when it comes to the Green New Deal, when it comes to uh, the, the, these power grabs like this, to want to try to limit us to whatever they say we can do yes. when it comes to travel. So Exactly right. Well, speaking of power grabs and overreach, uh, what's the story you got? Yeah, I have a story I found this morning that says uh, the title is COVID vaccines up to 100 times more likely to cause a serious injury in young adults than to prevent it, top scientists say. And the way they define young adults before we move forward is 18 to 29. So the 18 to 29-year-olds is, is, is the age group that we'll be discussing here uh, in this particular study. Also, I want to make note of this. Before I give you their findings in their study, I want 
Walker, Marty, myself, I want, and, and our audience to know that this is not a Facebook post. This is, this is ser- a study. This is a study. So as a result, before I give you the findings, I'm going to give you uh, a couple of the doctors, and I'm going to give you where they went to school and a little bit of their credentials. I know this is a little bit mundane, but you need to hear this. Yeah. Where is this I, coming from? When I tell you, when I, when I give you the findings of these nine top scientists and these doctors, you're going to be surprised, and I want you to know that this is legit. All right. This ain't a Twitter. <clears throat> this ain't, or this ain't a Facebook post. <laughs> uh, you got Kevin. From, and and their, their last names are, are very difficult to pronounce, so I'm just going to go with their first names. You've got Dr. Kevin from the University of Washington. you got Allison from Artemis Biological, or sorry, Biomedical Communications, LLC. you got Dr. Jim Rozick from the University of Oxford. you got Trudeau from the University of Toronto, Faculty of Law. you got uh, Salomon from Harvard University and the Harvard Medical School. And the list goes on. The last couple here that will stand out because they've been involved in several studies like this in the past several months. Stephen Barrell from John Hopkins University. And again, the list goes on here. But these are just a couple of the top scientists and doctors from all over the country who have come together to put together a study. Who, by, Let me also include that they took their fundings early on in the first couple months you know, as as uh, what the um, what was the Trump uh, vaccine uh, war uh, Operation Warp Speed Operation Warp Speed, <clears throat> and during that timing, they were taking their funds from a uh, from a trust called Welcome Trust, which that Welcome Trust is a is a nonprofit funds giving out to scientists and those that are doing studies to support vaccines. Okay, so these doctors have taken money from um from funds to support vaccines and they are doctors who support medicine. Right. These are doctors who have been in the medical field. They've seen vaccines that work. So the original intent going into this study wasn't to prove that the shots were bad for certain people. That's the point. That's okay. the point I'm making. These doctors went in because they know they are there are vaccines that work. Yeah. There's medicines that work and they want to be on the side of medicines that work. Yeah. So they because, they wanted to make sure their, that this one does. For their, for their credentials sake. Well, right? Well, so, so what so, were some of the findings? Yeah, so some of the findings that they found were this. They said out of 30,000 previously uninfected adults between ages 18 and 29 that have taken a boost that have that were boosted with the mRNA vaccine to prevent 30 of them, 30,000 of them would have to have the vaccine in order to prevent one hospitalization. Okay. So only one out of 30,000 young adults between 18 and 29 would would have to get the vaccine, and only one of the 30,000 would be prevented from going to the hospital. Okay. All right, you check on me? Yep. And as many... Is ninety eight out of the thirty thousand that got the shot? As many as ninety eight followed up with myocarditis cases in males, and that's just mm. in the males. So I don't. So, so so we've quote if 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 the statistics, and of course we know that real life scenarios fluctuate. Sure, but if the statistics prove how they did with this study, then you quote unquote saved one person out of thirty thousand just from going to the hospital. Just from going dying. to the hospital, yeah, that doesn't mean that you've saved their life. You've okay. prevented them from going to the hospital. Okay. One out of thirty thousand, but another ninety-eight have then 
heart issues as a result of the shot that they otherwise wouldn't have had. Exactly, and that's what they found in their study. As a result, they concluded their study by saying it's for these reasons. Well, let me back up. They also pointed out repeatedly that natural immunity is the best thing that can happen, mm. and we're we're pretty much there now as a, as an American society. Sure, you know. Um, they also found as a result of these findings, and there's more. There's many other things that were not myocarditis, but inter- but interfered with people's daily activity as far as having to take more medication. Other side effects. Other side effects that 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 hurt their daily activities. As a result, they concluded. What they were getting to is that, believe it or not, Walker, there are still many, many college campuses that are mandating the COVID vaccine okay. to be on campus. So what, you know, whether we're, we're not experiencing that at AFA or anywhere sure. like that, and I know a lot of the places— But to your point, it is still a problem still a in problem. Some, some areas. And so they got involved, and they said that, that these evidence, they argue that university boosters and mandates are not only wrong but are unethical. That's what they're mm. saying. And to they, mandate these on young mm, people? And, and I'll just paraphrase because the, the, you got a lot of doctor language in here and you got a, a lot of legal language in here. Yeah. But there, a couple of the reasons that they stated here is that, one, there has been no formal risk-to-benefit assessment that exists with this college age group people other than the one they've done. Mm. They said before we've done our study, these colleges are mandating something in which they have themselves don't have a study. Little, little to or no data. Little no data. And so, what's you know, we could circle back and come all we come full circle here, and that's that when we first started this, you know, month one, month three, month six, month nine, we didn't have a lot of data. Yeah, we're two and a half months, two and a half years, almost two and a half years into this, and we know now we have data. And these people who are objective, these these doctors and scientists are objective. They said, okay, now let's take these two year studies, two and a half years, let's study this and let's come up with a conclusion. Taking funds, yeah, from a pro vaccine. uh, trust and coming up with these findings, and they just say, "Here we go." Here's and they they don't they just, here's the evidence. Yeah, you know. So yeah, and typically you don't argue with the studies. No, but uh, or you don't ignore the studies. That's right, right, right. But Wesley, the fact that the FDA and the CDC approved the FDA approved this latest booster for young people with zero clinical trials, Wesley, mm-hmm. zero trials on humans. All they've done is tested on rats. Yeah. That to me, I mean, completely uh, causes this uh, the FDA and the government to have zero credibility on this issue. You're exactly right, and they they concluded with saying this does not even get into the fact of the overwhelming harm of a society economically and physically when you shut down a country. So yeah, absolutely. Hey, but, thanks for that report. Hey, you can only get stuff like this on AFR. That's right, and yep. with Wesley. Hey, appreciate it, folks. AFA at the core. 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Be back in a few. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe that our ministry, as well as everything in the heavens and on earth, belongs to God. And our role is that of a trusted manager. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us.
Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. The thing that solidified the reality that you were my wife was your heart for God. When the scripture says, he that finds a wife. So I began conferring with my pastor in New Orleans the whole time. I, yeah. I would tell him about you, tell him when we, you know, when we spend time together. And he said, hey, spend some time praying and ask God to reveal her heart to you. And write down what the Lord showed you, and which is what I did. It was all God. It was really God because when you did that, you followed the instruction of your pastor and God revealed to you who I was. God showed you things that you couldn't have known at that moment in our short time meeting each other. I was so grateful because it showed me that you hear from God. And I was at that moment convinced that the only place to live is in the middle of God's will. Like I knew that was a part of the foundation that God would have us to build for our marriage, you know, going forward. Tune in to By Design, Saturday afternoons at 4 Central on American Family Radio. I have a friend who recently turned 65. He is in good health and hopes to stay alert and productive until he's at least 90. That means he has 25 years ahead of him. He's doing something we all should do. He's planning for the future. The Bible says a lot about planning, most of which boils down to this. We should make our plans as good stewards of God's gifts and resources to us, but always leave plenty of room for God to change our plans according to His better ideas. Regardless of how many days or years we have left, planning is a godly endeavor. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's plans on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. We will uh, take your calls this segment if you want to call in to the Core provide your feedback or ask any questions. We'll be glad to take your comments, questions, feedback on the topics we've discussed on the show today. 888-589-8840-888-589-8840-888-589-8840 is that number to call in to the core. Uh, we'll be glad to take your calls this segment, 888-589-8840. Before we do go to the calls, I want to cover a, another story or two. The um, um, the 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 Biden speech last week, um, really heading into the Labor Day weekend, uh, was very very concerning. You had um, President Biden go up to um, uh, Pennsylvania to at a very very historic site to have this political speech, and this political speech aimed at and targeting his political opponents. And not not only did he, and remember, this is the one who said he was here to unite the country. This is the one who said he's going to unite the country. 
So Biden goes up to Pennsylvania, and uh, I, I can't, I'm trying to think of the where he did this. Like Liberty, um, but let's. I'm going to look this up. Pennsylvania. If you know Marty, let me know. He went up to Pennsylvania. It's like a uh, Independence Hall. Yes, where where a lot of the founding of our nation went took place. Uh, so he's at Independence Hall. Um, in Pennsylvania, so at a very historic landmark um, in, uh, in in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and he is not only using this historic place to give a highly political uh, speech demonizing his political opponents, but he used U.S. Marines as the backdrop. He used two U.S. Marine Corps members as as props behind him and then you've got the whole red color tan i mean this looked like a like a like a demonic a show or something and it was very bizarre but yet very intentional i mean you got probably dozens of white house staffers that are putting this thing together so this isn't something that like two people came up with this is very well organized very planned very metho- uh, uh, methodical and very thought out and but but you heard nothing from Democrats and from the media about the fact that the President of the United States uh, t- took part and led a highly divisive and mean-spirited speech against fellow Americans, and he used U.S. Marines as a backdrop. And, and to, to, to contrast, President Trump used a uh, US used uh, uh, the uh, Mark Milley the uh, uh, chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff I believe that was his position at the time used a, uh, had Mark Milley and a few other national security individuals and advisors walk with him from the White House um, across uh, I think it's Lafayette Park um, outside the White House and he, to walk over remember they walked over during the 2020 riots. They walked over to the church, and he took a picture holding the Bible in front of this historic church in Washington, D.C., and guess what happened after that? The media and everyone, they attacked Donald Trump. They said, you can't use the military generals as political props against uh, you know protesters outside the White House, even though they're not protesters. They were straight up rioting and destroying property. And Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, put, puts out a press release apologizing. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have walked with the president across Lafayette Park. Oh, that was bad optics. Yada, 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 yada. Okay, Mark Milley, and we find out Mark Milley's deep state, Democrat, hardcore Biden fan. Turns out Mark Milley's still the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And so he apologized when Trump wanted to use him as uh, someone to walk with him over to the to the I think it's St. John's Church uh, right out, right outside Lafayette Park, but Milley allows the U.S. Marines to be used in the political speech by Biden last week, and Milley says nothing. Oh no, no problem here, no problem here, and so you got a complete double standard. You got a complete double standard. Hey, if you want to call into the show, we'll be glad to take your call eight 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 five eight nine eight eight four zero. 888-589-8840-888-589-8840. We'll go to Tom in Ohio. Hey, Tom, welcome to AFA at the Court. Hey, Walker, how are you? Hey, doing well, Tom. What's on your mind today? 
So I heard your comment about the speech that happened on Thursday, and I think he is just trying to show a sign of force, and he is trying to demonstrate what people need to do and how they need to comply. And I don't know. It's it, it's the optics of something like a, a a dictator would do. So I just want to get your thought on that. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. Um, this is uh, something a uh, a dictator would do. Uh, the the sign of uh, demonizing. This is what China does. You demonize your opponents. You demonize your domestic, your political opponents, and then you call them names. You call them extremists. You call them terrorists. You call them insurrectionists, and you, you isolate them to such an extent that they really, if you carry it to its farthest extent, they really ought not to be a part of the society. They really shouldn't be a part of the society. That's exactly uh, what uh, they're doing, what Biden is doing uh, with his uh, political opponents. You're exactly right. Um, any any final uh, thoughts, Tom? No, I just... It, it just seems like everything is becoming more and more of an optic uh, um, grab. And just, it's it's almost like we're being, uh, I don't know if you ever saw this YouTube video, but it's it's this, um, this hysteria. We're, we're constantly being just uh, indoctrinated and shown all these images at the end of the day. And, I mean, everybody can see right through that. Yeah, we're, be, we're being conditioned. We're being pro- propagated and conditioned. Conditioned. Yeah, exactly right, Tom. And 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 there, unfortunately, Tom, it's sad to say, but some people in this country they buy into that. They believe it. They think that anybody who dares to support the Constitution and freedom, uh, well, they're they're terrorists, they're enemies of the state, and they ought not be a part of our society. Unfortunately, there are some people um, that believe that. Now, maybe they're them in the minority. I hope so. Uh, but some people, unfortunately, uh, bite on the propaganda. Uh, we'll go to uh, Trisha in the state of Texas. Hey, Trisha, welcome to AFA at the Core. Hi there. Um, I I am excited to talk to you. You are so well educated. You talk you so much sense, and AFR gives me comfort. <laughs> mm. What I don't understand is all those rights and people say proper assembly. And I, my sons, were, were classically training in uh, homeschool education, and I. It's my understanding a proper assembly is when a group of people get together and they write something and do a proper petition to government. And I don't, and I feel like a proper rebuke to his speech by groups of people in an assembly proper format would be the proper response. Mm. Yeah, I think I think what what, what you're kind of getting at, Tricia, is we need states to band together. And I'm not talking about you and me, although that's helpful. We need state governments, state entities like the governor's office, the attorney general, et cetera, et cetera, to band together and rebuke this administration. And I'm not just talking about a fancy letter. I'm talking about states need to start using their 10th Amendment authority to band together and fight back against this Biden administration and stop them in their tracks any way we can. Uh, That's why our founding fathers set up the country the way they did with the 10th Amendment. Uh, am I am I but am it, I talking about kind of where you're going with this, Tricia? You are somewhat, but as people, when people think they're going out and protesting, they think they're doing something, and I don't think that's what assembly was meant to be. I think it's meant to be people get together and and make a. How do you say that? You affirm something. You have a, yeah. a, a, a 
you count the people, you say that this is how we feel about this, you put it on paper, and yes. it's put into a record. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Yeah, this is uh, the way the way uh, the early days of America and throughout. You can talk Civil War and other other events in American history, but. Yeah, no, no. The the lasting change doesn't come from uh, turning over trash cans and burning down buildings in downtown Philadelphia in summer of 2020. Right. That's not where lasting change comes from, and that's never worked in America where you just throw a hissy fit one night uh, and destroy private property and vandalize and hurt people and then expect there to be some long kind of, uh, you know, reformation in America. To your point, lasting change has to come from organized action organized assembly uh, by the people and for the people, and it has to take place uh, not only using the people, but what we need to utilize our states as well, and that's kind of what I was getting at with governors and attorneys general. Uh, We need our state officials that represent us and represent our state to also band together and fend off this overreach of the federal government at every single stop we can. Thank you for hashing that out with me. I, I keep working through that in my mind, trying to understand how to articulate it. Thank you, Trisha. Appreciate you calling in. All right, that was Trisha in uh, the state of Texas. Um, and and this, this uh, the need for states to fight back against federal overreach is more needed than it, than it has been in some time. I'm not going to say ever, uh, but it's more needed now than it has been in a long, long time, very many decades. Um because that that's really where power is, all right? I mean, you and I have power, all right? Uh, we have the power of our vote and the power of us consenting to being governed. But states have a lot of, 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 of legal authority to, to fight back against federal overreach. And, I mean, I think we need to be having discussions about, you know, what – and I, when I say discussions, we need to be thinking through, you know, what, what – authority does the federal government have at the state level i mean when can the when can the department of justice come into our state when can the biden fbi minions come into our state what what authority are they operating under to come into our state same thing with all the other federal agencies what authority do they have to operate within the borders of our state And then you, you talk about that, and you talk about, well, how, how much do we rely on the federal government? How beholden to the federal government are we? Because it's one thing to talk about states' rights, but if you pay half of your state's budget with federal dollars, well, okay, you can do a lot of talk, but no action, because they control the purse strings. So states really got to start working together, and I think some people are working on this topic, and we'll cover it more later. Uh, David in South Dakota. Hey, David, welcome to the core. Oh, thanks, Walker, for having me on there. Had a comment about uh, the Biden speech on Thursday and what my assessment is. Go ahead. I I think it was kind of, you would call it maybe a goad towards conservatives to get down, because if I'm not mistaken, many of the mainstream outlets didn't even air it. Some of them that did air it, they filled with their camera perspectives and filled with the colors make a lot not so bad. Whereas Fox News and all the right-wing places... They showed it every inch of it, or every every second of it, in full color, full Marines to uh, get uh, get some conservative somewhere to react to it. Is my thought, and every and that's how, from my experience, that's how Democrats work. They deal with January sixth, yeah. Charlottesville. They, they they poke and they prod and they uh, and they lie, 
get conservatives or someone that claims they're conservatives to do something, then they overreact to clamp down and to gain more power. Yeah, you're, you're exactly. That's, that's yeah. Yeah, no, David, that's not far-fetched at all. That's not far-fetched at all. I mean, w- w- there would be no Governor Whitmer kidnapping plot without the FBI. I mean, it was the FBI agents that kept baiting the guys in, in Michigan to plan the plot uh, to, to plot to kidnap Governor Whitmer. So you take out those FBI instigators, there likely would never be a case against these guys. But the FBI agents are there every turn. Up in Michigan, they're there every turn, and they're fueling the fire. They were fueling the fire in Michigan. I mean, much of the case, uh, that's why uh, the, the, uh, the, 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 the charges against some of them got dismissed based on entrapment, um, and that was going on in Michigan. So you're exactly right. The deep state knows no bounds. They have no rules, and they will do anything and everything they can uh, to stir up uh, 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 people lashing out um, against the government or lashing out um, against the Biden administration. And, and the unfortunate thing, the unfortunate truth, to your point, is that when when there's a, a, a crisis or when there's a tragedy or when there's an incident like January 6th, it gives the government more bait, uh, not bait, it gives the government more legitimacy i'm talking about from pub, from the public's eye from the from public perception it gives them fodder to expand their control that's why that's why we don't need a bait we don't need to not not bait we don't need to take the bait and lash out in ways that are improper that's why i wasn't a big fan of this let's storm the capitol all right now there's a debate on whether it was really trespassing or not Clearly, the Capitol was closed on January 6th, but I think it served no good purpose to storm the Capitol. I mean, raise your hand and tell me how that helped the conservative cause to trespass in the Capitol. It it didn't really help it. It didn't help the Trump challenging the election. It actually shut things down. Now, did the FBI have a role in that? Well, they've already admitted there were at least a dozen FBI agents in the crowd on January 6th. And so how much of that was instigated by them? Maybe one day we'll find out. AFA at the core. We'll be back next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.